Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm your host. Now, today, I want to talk more about why it is so important to not just stay in a calorie deficit for prolonged periods of time or what to do at the end of your dieting phase when you have reached your goal or what happens when you hit a weight loss plateau. So this is called nutritional periodization, basically setting specific time periods where we want to be in a calorie deficit, periods where we transition out of the deficits, period where we just maintain or potentially even go into a lean gaining phase. I have um, previously recorded an episode solely on my lean lean gaining journey and um, my, I guess, strategies for keeping it a lean gaining journey as opposed to really adding a lot of fat mass and um yeah it i i can only encourage you to go back and have a listen if that is something that you're interested in um but i'm certainly going to touch on this in this week's episode as well so nutritional periodization why is it actually so important well it's so important in order for us to keep our hormones and metabolism healthy long term also though And this might be even more important, especially from a coach's perspective, to simply increase adherence. If you know that I'm just going to, I want to lose 50 kilos or I want to lose 100 pounds, whatever it might be, it feels like such a long journey. Not only is your metabolism eventually going to downregulate and adapt a little bit, slowing down, it also just feels like a really, really long amount of time. And so we can easily lose motivation. I have spoken about the middle problem, the problem of the motivational lull in between the beginning enthusiasm and the end motivation, where a lot of people fall off before. And this problem can be, um, I guess, eradicated or simply helped if we set smaller increments of goals. And that's especially, or that's particularly what nutritional periodization means. We don't really, in most cases, it depends on where you're coming from in terms of how much fat you have to lose, etc. But in most cases, we kind of want to keep a weight loss phase to about 16 weeks. We can sometimes push that to like 20 26. It depends. It really depends. If you have more to lose, then you can usually go for a little bit longer. And of course, if we implement things like refeed days or higher calorie weekends um, or even diet breaks in between, we can certainly go a little bit longer. But I'm going to touch on that in a in a little while. Nonetheless, we don't really want to be dieting um, on end without an end or in sight and just saying like, oh, I want to lose weight or I just I want to lose 50 pounds. We really, really want to put more specifics behind that. What is realistic in terms of weight loss? Well, generally speaking, the more aggressive we approach something, oftentimes the least less likely it is that we actually keep that weight off. However, we need to find a fine line here because of course, if we only lose 100 grams per week in terms of fat mass, A, the scale doesn't move much, so we often lose motivation. B, it just drags out the diet even longer. And sometimes duration also matters a lot when it comes to healthy hormones and metabolism. So um, I roughly, like very, very roughly would say 
about um about a pound per week maximum is what we want to aim for with most people again if you have a lot to lose this could be a little bit more if you have very very little to lose it's probably you know five to ten pounds or so it's probably less than that maybe half a pound and um, so it it actually depends but yeah let's just say we want to set those expectations right somewhere between half a pound to a pound per week and also the next thing that we want to take into consideration is what does your year look like otherwise? You know, do you always go on a really long summer holiday? What is it like for you in the holiday period? Is that somewhere where you're easily, you can easily maintain a calorie deficit? Or is that somewhere where you have lots and lots of invites and um, it's very unrealistic to consistently be at 1300 calories for instance which sometimes is required in order to see weight loss so we want to take all these things into consideration and not just that but also what sort of person are you do you prefer to have the same calories from monday through sunday or do you really look forward to your weekends eating out being a little bit more social and it might make adherence eat more easy for you if you lower your calories monday through friday and then you have a higher allowance on the weekends or it could even just be Wednesday and Saturday. It doesn't have to be two back-to-back -back days really. So adherence is really the underlying thing and theme here. So look at your whole year. Also, if you know you have a particularly stressful period of time coming up, if you know that um, you know in 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 two weeks' time there is this this trip, etc., don't start your aggressive diet at this point in time. Like approach things wisely as opposed to from an impulse in the moment where you're just feeling uncomfortable in your body that usually doesn't um, lend to anything. So we want to look at the whole year. That is step number one. We also um, want to make sure, and, and that's the next important thing that I've already touched on, we really want to ensure long-term health. So instead of staying at low calories after your diet, which a lot of women unfortunately do, because of course we're afraid to gain the weight back. So we're just thinking, oh, we need to continue to do what we have been doing th this last little while, which is keeping the calories so low. But then again, eventually your metabolism is going to adjust to that or adapt to that. And then next time you want to lose weight, so this becomes your new maintenance. And the next time you want to lose weight, you have to drop calories even lower. And next time you want to lose weight, you have to drop it even lower and lower and lower. And eventually, you know, you can only cut so much, you can only eat so little. So this really is not a sustainable solution. The other thing that a lot of people do is they simply go back to their previous calories, gaining everything back because their, their body simply after a dieting phase, um, it just wants to soak up everything. Our body has essentially three ways that it wants to prevent us from losing weight because its main purpose is for us to keep to keep us alive or it, it wants to keep us alive. That's like its main job. Um, so any kind of insurance policy that we have, so additional fat mass <laughs> is going to be wanted. Therefore, it number one, as we've already said, it um it basically wants to um, gain the weight back at, or well first of all it slows down the metabolism during dieting so making it stubborn if we stay in the diet for too long number two it actually post diet increases your hunger signals it increases your um or decreases your satiation and that's why 
after the diet, this is actually often harder for a lot of people because mentally you've already reached your goal and all you want to do is like relax and let go. But during this time, I can only, 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 only encourage you to invest those extra, let's say maybe six to eight weeks until you get to your maintenance calories again um, before you allow yourself to relax a little bit more. And then number three is that actually the number of fat cells increase it's not just that the fat cells themselves increase but the body also increases the number of fat cells so potentially increasing your ability your body's ability to, to increase its its fat storages for future for the future um just in case it needs to be prepared for another hunger period so again if we do this repeatedly which is called yo-yo dieting that a lot of people engage in <laughs> not great we downregulate our metabolism more and more and more and more we add more fat cells we experience weird hunger signals throughout this time so really really important to go through this reverse dieting process and then why do we want to be at maintenance? <clears throat> why would that be a potential or why should this actually be um, a big component of your periodization? Well, maintenance maintenance is probably one of the health, healthiest phases or the healthiest phase that you can be in. Because even a calorie surplus, which might be super healthy at times, um, long term being in excess calories as we know with people that are overweight or obese is also not great for the body and is actually quite stressful and it doesn't even have to be this extreme if we look at bodybuilders you know that go through these bulking phases um it's actually hard work eating that much uh you often lose quite a lot of like cardiovascular fitness and it's 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 not the healthiest place to be while for you know six nine months in a moderate deficit certainly or even longer certainly 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 but um if we talk more about um really more aggressive uh surpluses that's that's a different story um so in any case maintenance is amazing because we're giving our body exactly what it needs it's exactly it's, it's kind of like if you have your laptop plugged in it gets everything that it needs it's not getting any extra additional energy which it might need to store somewhere it's not getting not enough so that it has to work off a backup backup or something like that you're essentially giving your hormones everything to optimize to really function at its best and um, it also feels great because you're still like you're you're not feeling like you're forcing things in <clears throat> And it gives you a good chance to be more social. It gives you a good chance to perform reasonably well in the gym, etc. So I would say on average, most people should probably be at maintenance for at least four, maybe six months of the year. Um, and naturally, that depends on where you're coming from in the sense of how much muscle mass you still want to add, how much fat you still want to lose, and so on, but just on average. The other thing is that at maintenance, meaning same amount of calories going in as going out, we have, most people are not used to practicing this. Most people um, are great at dieting, they're great at setting aggressive goals, but how do we actually practice this life of moderation and balance? It is at maintenance. How do we actually practice loosely tracking, estimating? It is at maintenance. So I can only, only encourage you to really plan for longer maintenance periods, to enjoy being where you are, to celebrate your previous wins, to use this time also to reflect and plan for future. Um, yeah, so it, essentially that would be 
that would be a really good suggestion. So for someone, um, what could that look like? For instance, if we start the new year and we go into a calorie deficit, because of course we're super motivated January 1st, post holiday period, this could kick off a nice dieting phase for about 16 weeks. You might uh, want to opt to have uh, higher calorie weekends, um, maybe even a short maintenance break of, of of a week in between there if you needed to. But let's just say we're going to cut roughly until the beginning of May, then maintaining from May, June, July, August, maybe those four months, and maybe even September, and then going into a bit of a lean gaining phase for ideally at least three, ideally more like six months in the following year. So it really depends where you're coming from, like I was saying, um, and how comfortable you currently are in your body. And you don't even have to go. If if you still had a lot of weight to lose, for instance, after your cut, you could go back into another cut, into a shorter cut before the holiday period. But I'm essentially what I'm just saying is think about, think about um, your year, think about more than just uh, I want to lose 20 pounds, full stop. When does it make most sense? Um, so going back to the point of the reverse diet, which I actually want to do a whole episode on because it's just such an important topic. But when it comes to reverse dieting, how do we actually do that? Well, with reverse dieting, um, it is essentially a strategic approach in increasing calories. So instead of going, let's just say you were at a, in a calorie deficit at about 1500 calories and your maintenance is 2000 roughly. Instead of going from 1500 straight up to 2000 and basically overwhelming your body and it's like thinking, oh wow, all this food, I'm going to store it for later because she's probably going to go back into a deficit sometime soon and um, I don't really know how to use it, utilize it all quite yet. So I'm going to, I'm just going to store it. Instead of that happening and also it being just challenging mentally because you've just reached your goal, instead of that happening, we want to increase it very gradually. So essentially it could be an increase of about 10 to 15% at a time of your calories. So meaning in this example, it would be going from 1500 to 1650, mostly through carbs or fats, depending on where they were earlier. We don't usually change protein of anything after dieting phase. We might be lowering it back down to one gram per pound or to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. But in any case, the increase um, is going to happen through usually a combination of both or maybe just carbs. So you increase that, then you would see that your weight is actually staying stable. Looking at the weekly average, it would be completely normal for the weight to go up initially just because your body might be retaining a little bit more water because of the increased carbs or anything like that. So really don't let that deter you and just look at the weekly average, maybe for a week, maybe for two. See that how you're doing, see that your average weight is kind of staying the same and then increasing up further, bumping it up another 10% or so or another 150 calories essentially until you get to your estimated new maintenance this new maintenance might be different to your old maintenance depending on how much weight you dropped it could be lower because um you're simply carrying around less body weight therefore less energy expenditure um 
or, you know, just simply change in body composition. It might be lower for a number of reasons. So don't just simply assume that your old maintenance is the same new maintenance. Another way to gauge this would also be by way by the way of, um, let's say your weight goes up one week by a pound and it doesn't come back down within a two week, week period, then you might just want to drop back down to the previous set of calories or even one before that, allowing your body weight to go back to where it was or where you want it to be essentially. Um, <clears throat> so this is this strategic approach, like I was saying, is really, really important to during this. It's still important to be diligent with your weighing, with your macros. And this is not the time to be intuitive eating whatsoever. Probably the worst time to be intuitive eating. Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on when it comes to um, dieting in general is weight loss plateaus. Because a lot of people experience them and like I was just explaining they are very normal there are they are your body's normal reaction so to speak um when it comes to a calorie deficit because uh, in many cases it might mean that your um your metabolism has downregulated however it's not always the case so the first thing that I say to people when we are seeing a weight loss plateau is Let's check a few things. How accurate were you with your tracking? How consistent were you with your tracking? Were your food choices different this week? Did you have um, higher stress than usual? How was your digestion like? What was your sleep like? Um, anything like that. There could be so many variables. Were you sick? Did you have harder training days? All these things could be contributing to weight either staying the same or weight even going up. Travel is another big one. Water retention through that. Cycle-related things. So water retention around ovulation or period. So we really, before we're freaking out or we make any unnecessary adjustments, we really want to make sure that we're not being... Um, distracted by any of these things that would be totally natural natural things and oftentimes just by managing your stress better by getting digestion on a roll again by focusing on food quality and weighing out and eating less eating out less regularly or less often um we can already quote unquote fix a lot and get the weight moving again or simply by continuing to pay attention to something like your step count because also your body wants you to move less in a calorie deficit so if we're not paying attention to need to that non-exercise activity or steps um that can often also kind of slow things down a little bit but okay let's say you were super diligent nothing was different you didn't eat out more you didn't have more salt or different salt your digestion was the same you haven't been overly stressed or anything like that what do we do now well we can reduce calories a little bit further again usually through carbs or fats while still staying over that minimum amount of fat that we talked about last week but this could could be as small of a decrease uh, as like like five to again five to ten percent perhaps um or in some cases a little bit more aggressive but i would always try to work with that minimal effective dose so don't despair and then usually also we don't want to make any calorie adjustments um on a weekly basis really give your body a little bit more time to adjust to things i would say on average 
at the most after two weeks I would be making any adjustments. So it is unrealistic to expect that your initial set of macros is going to work for you until the end of your diet, until you feel like you have reached your goal. This is also one of the reasons why nutrition coaching is so important because, or it can be so helpful, um, because things just don't just stay the same and work forever, or it's just because a previous set of calories from your diet five years ago worked for you at the time doesn't mean that it would be working right now either. So that was kind of one of the main overview things that I wanted to say about periodization, weight loss plateaus, and a reverse dieting. Can't stress the importance of the last enough really. The other thing I really wanted to talk about today is kind of meal timing and frequency because I think we often overthink it and at the same time I think we often try to fit ourselves into a box that we really don't need to be in or just because it works for other people especially like right now with things like intermittent fasting where a lot of people talk about this or you hear about the benefits of xyz and then so often I hear oh, I tried intermittent fasting and somehow I feel terrible with it but I really want to give it a go so let's I guess let's just stay with the topic of intermittent fasting um it can be a great tool to just limit your calorie window so just by doing that a lot of people basically skip one meal and no surprise to no surprise you know by reducing um your calories anywhere from 500 to 800 calories or so in a meal with a with with one skip meal um you're often putting yourself into a little bit of a calorie deficit or at least lower calories than what you were consuming before so unsurprisingly that works for some people however it's not nothing magical about it literally is just one way to get into a potential calorie deficit for other people that results into having way more hunger later on and you know just giving themselves a free for all and oh you can now eat as much as you want not the case absolutely not the case like i said nothing magical about it some additional benefits that are like floating around or that you often hear about is in terms of um, blood sugar regulation is in terms of potential um, I, I guess for um, cell autophagy so clearing out those dead cells that we don't really need anymore things like that and there is um, a small truth to some of that so I will say that these additional health benefits that we often attribute to intermittent fasting actually don't um have not are not associated with the quote-unquote classical intermittent fasting of like eight hours eating 16 hours fasting they only or they start coming on but by prolonged fast such as like one day fast or two day fast or something to the more extreme extent when it comes to fighting cancer properties etc However, um, in the sense of digestive help, um, it is beneficial to give your gut a break for about 10 to 12 hours every night. We really don't want to be eating, um, you know, our last meal at 10 p.m. and then first thing at 5 a.m. And oftentimes that just results into more snacking throughout the day. Um, and many people are, you know, you're busy in the morning or um, you also can't really sleep that well if you eat that late. So it Ideally, it really would be something more like last thing to eat, 7.30, first thing to eat, 8 a.m. or so. Um, 
So that is really, really beneficial for your digestive health, for your gut health, um, and also in terms of blood sugar regulation to an extent, but we don't need to overthink it. Um, the other thing that I'll say is that a lot of these intermittent fasting studies have been done on men, and women tend to be a lot more sensitive when it comes to fasting. I think it, it kind of also makes sense when we think back to our ancestors and you know men go in longer periods of time without food when they're on their on the hunt and women as we are more grazers where we used to be the the collectors the smaller things here and there um it just often works better for our blood sugar and our hormones so um that's not to say don't give intermittent fasting a try, especially if you're in a calorie deficit and you're having a hard time staying within your calories. It's simply saying don't force anything that feels really unnatural to you. Yes, anything new is going to take a little bit of adjustment period and it's always going to be uncomfortable. So it's possibly something that you can kind of lean into or train yourself to do as well. So if you're some if you're a female who has never really had a lot of hunger in the morning, by all means, you know, go ahead and intermittently fast un unless this um would be your post-workout window. So I would advise if someone is working out early in the morning or in the morning in general, um, you know, eat something within the next hour or two, not so much for the magic window of gains, but more for the sense of um uh, helping your body start initiating that parasympathetic response, so starting to relax, bringing the stress down, as opposed to keeping the cortisol high and preventing the onset or, or really not optimizing our recovery and relaxation that way. So that's the only thing that I would say. But otherwise, you know, if it naturally feels good to you, go for it. However, as I was saying with a lot of my clients and even for myself also, I have tried getting into intermittent fasting just for, you know, experiments sake sort of thing. And I started feeling shaky, like lightheaded after a while. I really couldn't focus. And the pushing it out to like 11 was really difficult for me. And I just felt like I was way more hungry for the rest of the day. So it just didn't make any sense. It does come down to overall daily calories. Um, now, in the sense of what I just talked about training, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about that meal timing, as I was saying. Um, I'm going to start with protein again, just because it is the most important macronutrient. And when it comes to that, we really want to make sure that in any case, whether we are in written fasting or not, in any case, we are breaking our fast with something that contains lean protein or protein in any case. Um, why? Because it's going to help us with blood sugar regulation and cravings over the rest of the day. Also, um, it, it it just it helps us getting a little bit of that into the bank already as opposed to getting to your dinner and you're realizing, oh crap, I still have to eat 100 grams of protein in this one meal. It's not ideal. In an ideal scenario, we do want to spread out protein reasonably evenly throughout the day. So, Always, 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 always please include some sort of protein in the form of eggs, in the form of ground turkey or breakfast sausage, or in the form of a low-fat dairy um, protein powder or anything like that into your first meal, no matter at what time it might be. The other thing or the next thing I'm going to talk about is fats. So fats, um, I think I 
might have touched on that in the previous episode also, but fats, they slow down digestion, which is great. That's what we want in order to feel a little bit more satiated. However, we don't want that so much around training times um, because we want food to be absorbed and utilized very quickly around training to help our recovery. So if your breakfast is your post-workout meal, then don't include as many fats. Otherwise, do try to have some healthy fats in there, again, for satiation's reason and on also blood sugar regulation. It does help us not spike that blood sugar quite as much. <clears throat> so again, a whole egg, avocado, maybe some nut butter into your oats or some ground flax seeds and chia seeds, etc. Great fat sources to be incorporating into that breakfast. Um, again, also healthy fats in your lunch, unless that's your post-workout meal essentially want to have healthy fats in all meals unless it's around our training with carbs it's ex it's ex exactly or actually the inverse for most people unless you're in a gaining phase and you need to get in quite a lot of carbs over the course of the day but especially in a calorie deficit we still want to make sure that the few carbs that we have are around our training times um just in order to facilitate that performance and recovery as best as we can. If we have a carb heavy meal or a meal with a sufficient amount of carbs in the evening and we work out in the morning, for most people that's going to be sufficient glycogen stored that we can still utilize in our training. Um, otherwise, if you train a little bit later in the day or you don't mind having you know a small snack like a banana or a toast or so an hour before your morning workout, and um, you can spare it in terms of calorie budget. That is a great idea. And then like I was saying, uh, ideally having something like one gram per pound of, um, no, per pound of, per kilo body weight or half half a gram per pound of body weight in carbs post-workout, that's that's a really great idea to replenish your glycogen stores. And like I said, here we can work with simple carbs a little bit more easily. So banana, oats, um, or uh, instant oats, um, rice, those kind of foods, great around your training time. Um, now, when it comes to frequency, once again, this is super, super individual and totally up to personal preference, but don't be afraid to try something that you're currently not doing, especially if what you're doing right now is not working. You feel like something is often it's not ideal or it could be optimized. So for for when it comes to that one meal a day trend that has been going around for a while there, or even just intermittent fasting and, and only having two meals per day, Absolutely fine if, like I said, especially if you time your post-workout window correctly, but I will preface that, that by a lot of, for a lot of people, it's going to be difficult getting in enough protein within just two meals. So, you know, if you're, even if your protein target is 130 grams, that would mean you need to eat 65 grams of protein in each one of your meals doable, absolutely do do doable. Um, but you need to be quite meticulous, diligent, and mindful of it. Um, you might think about expanding that to like two meals in a shake or two meals in a snack. Um, aside from that, having three main meals can also work quite well for many. Um, I personally, I do like snacks um, for me personally in between there. It just gives me something to break up my workday as well to look forward to. Um, and of course, I know 
if I increased the meal size and the main meals, I might not even crave that snack in the middle of or in between those meals. Um, but since I'm in a maintenance slash back into my uh, lean gaining phase in a small surplus, I have plenty of calories to work with and I actually prefer not to be super full after my me main meals and rather have a snack in between. Um, the thing with snacks is you do have to be quite... Um, anticipating and planned out with them you know if I just like go out after my lunch not really thinking about um, what else I want to have until dinner six hours later and I rely on finding a snack along the road snacks are usually very carb and fat heavy if we think about the classical muffin or a cereal bar or whatever so it's always better to take a protein bar or a shake or uh, even single serve Greek yogurt with you especially if you want to make that a higher protein snack, which I highly advise just to curb those cravings for the following meal then. Um, so that's really the biggest thing when it comes to meal frequency, of course, and, and timing. And of course, we also want to make sure we're not eating too close to bedtime, as I was saying earlier, just to help with that sleep quality. Um, ideally, depending on the um the size of the last meal but ideally if it's like an actual full meal maybe at least an hour to two prior to bedtime maybe even longer before that if it's a smaller sm snack or meal i was gonna say smeal <laughs> if it's a smaller snack or meal um it could be yeah an hour or 90 minutes before going to bed um when it comes to going back to the specific timings, I just want to touch on carbs again, especially in the evening. A lot of people used to think that carbs are bad or that used to be a thing like no carbs after 5 p.m. crap. Uh, but carbs actually help us relax. They make us feel very at ease. They help us deal with stress better. And therefore, implementing carbs, not just around your training, but if you have more carbs to spare, um, also for your evening meal is often a great idea. Also helping your body initiate that that relaxing period, that um, wind down period. So in an example, or just to give an example, if you are training in the morning, let's just say mid-morning or even on an empty stomach, let's go with the example of an empty stomach, um, You'd be training, doing your training, maybe 6 a.m., 7 a.m. sort of thing. Then within an hour or two after your training, so 8, 9 a.m., you'd want to have your breakfast that contains some simple carbs, some protein, just a tiny bit of fats, but really not that much, maybe 5 grams of almond butter or a teaspoon of flax seeds or so just for fiber as well for the additional fiber. Some berries there and not super 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 high fiber foods to keep it somewhat so I, I wouldn't if this was a um, post-workout lunch for instance I wouldn't just have a whole salad bowl, bowl with raw veggies because it's harder to digest so, but if you have something like spinach or so that's easier to digest and still has a little bit of fiber that's absolutely fine and um, so anyway going back to the example we'd have our oats and then um, you'd either have a break if you just choose to have the three main meals or 
let's go with one snack example, maybe two. Um, so you go to, to your lunch and in your lunch, you'd mostly want to have protein and fats, not so many carbs, especially not simple, not simple carbs, um, maybe more complex carbs. So such as, um, or starchy carbs. So maybe a little bit of sweet potato, like a hundred grams. Aside from that, lots of vegetables. You could also have raw vegetables there. Um, some healthy fats, as I was saying, so that could be salmon. It could be a whole egg and um, a little bit of chicken um, and then yeah like I said mostly veggies maybe some seeds some nuts these fats are gonna slow down the digestion are gonna prevent also that huge afternoon crush um, that you sometimes feel from having like white rice in the middle of the day um, so that should carry you through let's say you had your lunch at like 12 or 1 and that should carry you through to like maybe 4 p.m where you might have a single serve Greek yogurt with a little bit more fruit for fiber um, and maybe a couple of nuts sprinkled in there and then um, your dinner maybe at 7 p.m type of thing um, which again you might here you might include uh, some some white rice or something some sort of carb carb heavier carb item um, uh, just to help with that initiation of the wind down process um, yeah so that could be a really good example you could also have your dinner earlier and have like a pre-bed snack instead such as low-fat cottage cheese for instance and um, that sort of protein which is casein protein um, is also meant to be a slower releasing protein so throughout the night stimulating muscle protein synthesis perhaps a little bit better um, than some of the quicker absorbed protein sources but we don't want to overthink things i basically my main thing that i want to drive home with the meal frequency is um don't try to force yourself into a box um when it comes to intermittent fasting when it comes to oh, i need to be doing xyz which this and that person is doing um the only caution that i'll give there is don't skip meals uh, if we go for too long without eating something we our blood blood sugar will kind of tank and then it's so hard to like bring it back up and it often spikes and then it tanks again so we want to avoid that we want to avoid those really high cravings after um after a period of time where we don't go with eating anything and the other thing i'll say is um don't just be snacking or grazing all the time have actual meals um because that constant snacking is just keeping our blood sugar elevated which is not ideal either so we do want to have curb curves when it comes to our blood sugar, but it should be healthy and regulated, well thought through curves. <laughs> um, I hope you found this episode helpful. I know there was a lot packed into just one episode. Uh, in the following solo solo episodes, I still I want to talk a little bit more about training, uh, recovery, supplements, not just specific to training, but just general as well. And something I think a lot of people are going to find valuable or be able to uh, relate to is going to be more the, sh the whole thing of intuitive eating, potentially transitioning into intuitive eating after a dieting phase and tracking calories, but also emotional eating, stress eating and those kind of things. I think we don't talk about them often enough, really. Um, so in any case, like I said, if you found it valuable, please please do me a favor, share it on your social media um, or give me a rating or review. We'd love to help to, to spread the message to more people. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review 
or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.